share a little bit of our journey with you. And first of all, I just want to tell you, thank you for praying for me. You don't know. You have no idea what your prayers meant for me. Um, December 2nd, some morning I started having a fever. 
December 3rd, Rusty started having a fever. Rusty was sicker than Smarna. He had the stomach part of it, and he slept a lot, and it scared me at first, and, but he started improving. Smar passed out on me, and uh, that scared me really bad, and uh, that she was okay. We just needed to get her some juice and some nutrition she hadn't eaten. And um, But Rusty and Smar started getting better, but I did not. And um, my, my case at first was really mild. It wasn't a big deal. I had really low-grade fever, fatigue. I walked the dog around the block. I, I was doing okay, and I thought, this is not a big deal. But there was an unrelenting fever, and it kept coming back and coming back. And so one Sunday, maybe it was the 13th, I don't know the dates exactly, I went to the ER because I was coughing up blood. And um, they sent me home. They said it just sometimes the bronchial tubes will do that. Sometimes there's scratches and stuff. I was thrilled, and they had done a chest x-ray. Everything was clear. By the 17th, I looked at Rusty, and I said, I'm not winning this battle. And honestly, that night before, God had said to me, you need to let somebody else take care of you besides yourself. And so that morning, I looked at Rusty, and I said, I'm, I'm losing ground, and uh, I can't drink another Gatorade and another Pedialyte. Pedialyte's nasty. And um, so... We went back to the ER, and honestly, I was only worried about the fever because every four hours I had chills and fever, and it was worse and worse. And we got to the doctor, we got to the emergency room, and of course, I was there by myself, and they did a scan, and they said, you have pneumonia, we're going to take you to the hospital. And I was okay the 17th. The 18th and 19th were really bad. And uh, I knew whenever I left the house that death was on me. Um, I didn't want to die at home because I was afraid Rusty would feel guilty. And... um so the 17th, I was okay, but the 18th and 19th were really rough. And um, the, I remember vaguely the nurse coming in and doing my vitals, and she said, oh, honey, you're getting better. Your bottom number of your blood pressure is in the 60s now. And I was like, well, that doesn't look right. That looks low. And she goes, no, honey, that's good. You were much worse. <laughs> and I remember one of the nurses fighting for me all night with the oxygen they put me on 10 liters of oxygen. I was, still wasn't doing well. And um, she uh, finally got a mask to put over my face. And um, I was so in and out of it. I didn't know what was going on. The fever was still really high. I was really struggling. And so on the 19th, I called my family. And I told them, you need to let me go. You need to let me go. I'm tired. And I'm done. And I can't make it. And um and I told Rusty, death is on me, Rusty, and I'm, I can't fight anymore. And um, I signed a do not resuscitate paper and said, do not put me on a ventilator. Rusty said, Deborah, please call the nurse and get that changed. And I said, Rusty, please let me go. I love you, but I'm tired. And so um, my, I called my mom and told her the same thing, and she called my brothers and sister, my brother and sister. And, um, of course, we had asked y'all to pray. We didn't tell you the details of what we were struggling with. And uh, so, oh, sorry. Oh, trying to breathe. Um, and so, um, that night, I woke up. Somebody was moving around the bed. I was used to it. You know, you're, gonna, you're here to draw blood. You're here to take my blood pressure. What do you need? And so I just said, what do you need? And then I opened my eyes with my arm out, and I looked around, and there was no one there. And I was like, well, that's weird. I heard somebody moving around the bed. And so I laid there. I closed my eyes and laid there for a few minutes. 
and I listened and I could hear the, the movement of garments and I could feel the wind of movement around my bed. And I said, what do you need? And I opened my eyes and no one was there. And all of a sudden into my spirit, I knew that angels had come into my room. And so, of course, I start talking out loud to him, you know, what, what would you do really? And so I said, so that whole Bethlehem shepherd thing, like, were y'all a part of that? And nobody answered me. And I was like, okay, I got you. I understand how this works. You know, you're servants of the Lord. You're here to do his bidding. And I just said, God, I am crumpled up in this bed. I didn't have the strength to push myself up into the bed. I could barely make it to the bathroom and back without just falling into just a puddle in the bed. And just my feet were cramped up against the end of the bed. And I just said, God, could you get these angels to fix the bed? That's an automatic bed to, to help with pressure points. And, um, but it hadn't moved all night. I hadn't moved, so it hadn't moved. And if I raised the, the head up on it, it would move. But I'm supposed to be laying on my stomach. And so I no sooner said that than that bed started moving. And it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and it moved. And it just kept going. And I'm sitting there just going, God, you know, this is great. And all of a sudden, I looked down at my feet, and my feet were six inches from the end of that bed, and my head was at the head of the bed. I hadn't moved. And, of course, my brother's question was, did God make you shorter, or did he make the bed longer? <laughs> and so um, I started laughing. And from that point on, I never said death was on me anymore. From that point on, I had hope. From that point on, there was peace. And my family had been up all night long burning the midnight oil. That's the old phrase they used to use for for prayer. And they were asking God, God, is it your will? Is it time for her to go home? What's your mind? What do you say? And before the night was over, every one of them had a peace. It's not time. And so, Mom, I I texted all of them about the, the angels. And my mom called And she said, what time did the angels come? And I said, it was 3.30 in the morning. She said, I woke up. She said, I'd been up almost all night. And she said, and that I laid down and I had to go to the bathroom. And I got up and I said, oh God, I forgot to ask you to send angels. What time was it whenever that happened? I said, 3.30 in the morning. She said, that's what time I got up and prayed. It was at 3.30 in the morning. But that's God. (laughs) You know, you just sang a song. They said, God is a roaring lion, and he's fighting our battles. Do you believe that? It's true. He does fight our battles for us. And I don't understand why some people are taken home and some remain. That is not my call. It is not given to me to understand that. But I know the one who does understand it, and I know know he's on his throne, and I know he knows what he's doing. And if he had taken me home, it's because my house was ready. But like Rusty told me, there's more work for you to do in this house here before you go to that house there. And so as I began to get stronger, um, oh, that Sunday, Rusty and Samar were here at the church. Right after that Saturday, I told everybody, drop the bomb on them. Um, And that Sunday... While y'all were here at church, the doctor came in. He goes, we need to talk about this do not resuscitate business. And I said, I don't even know what to tell you. I can't even think clear. I don't know. And he said, 
he started explaining it again. I said, you know what? Why don't you tell me what to do? He said, you're putting me in charge? Good. Because you know what? You need to let us fight for you. Let us fight for you. And I said, okay. He said, we're tearing up the DNR? I said, yes. And he goes, I'll have a nurse come to cut the band off. So when Rusty got home, I called him and told him. And he was rejoicing because that was his prayer request, his very specific prayer request. So I got stronger and stronger every day. The oxygen started coming down. And honestly, y'all got the text message that I was, or the email that I was coming home on Monday. But the doctor told me, Sunday, you're not going home on Monday. She said, you're not strong enough. And she said, well, your oxygen is still on a six. She says, you need to be on a two before we send you home. And even then, we're going to send you home with oxygen. So Rusty and I were praying I didn't have to come home with oxygen because I don't want home health care people coming in. Because when I came into the hospital, they ran blood work and they said, your body, you've had COVID since December 2nd. It's December 17th. And your body has produced zero antibodies to fight it. I had nothing. It's because I have leukemia. And so they told me, you know, you're going to have to still be really careful. There's still not enough documented evidence to know whether people can get it again or not. And you need to be careful. We don't know how long the antibodies last. We don't, there's so much we don't know. So you've got to be careful. So we are. But, um, so as it, when I, that day on, on Monday, when they said I was supposed to come home and the doctor had said I wouldn't, a different doctor was there. <laughs> and so the, um, they came in and did a walk study and they had moved my, they had worked my oxygen down to a two. And they said, we want to do a walk study and see how you do. And so I started walking down the hallway. And she goes, you're doing great. I'm cutting the oxygen some more. I kept walking. You're doing great. You're going to cut the oxygen some more. By the time she was done, I wasn't on oxygen at all. And I was walking down the halls and stuff. I don't know how I did it because I couldn't walk from one room to the next at home at that time. And you saw I have helped to navigate some things still. But God was with me and he helped me. And the reason why I'm sharing all this with you is not because you need to know all my medical history, but I'm sharing it with you because I know that it wasn't just my family praying. I know y'all were praying. And I know that God heard your prayers. And I want to encourage you to dig deeper this year into his word. Go deeper in faith with him by inquiring of him, not just saying, well, we're just going to believe for a miracle. No, inquire of God, God, what is your mind? What do you want to do? Show me how to pray. And when we pray for people, let's pray specifically for them and ask for God to send his angels. Those nurses and doctors are overwhelmed. Don't you know they need some extra help? They do. And I want to encourage you in this day to be people of hope, filled with a hope because that's the mark of Christianity. We're not to despair like the world despairs. I was despairing. It's easy to do when you're sick. But you know what? We don't, that's not who we are. We are people of hope. And you know what else? In a day and age we live in, it's hard to find truth. But you know where to find truth. So dig in deeper than this and less of the news. I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand. I'm telling you to put your head, head in the book. And I'm telling you, get the headlines, turn off the TV, and get on your knees and intercede and pray for people. Pray for our government. Pray for our nation. And then leave it with the Lord. And you know what the Bible says? It says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. He's already told us this. 
it's going to be shaken until all that remains is what can't be shaken. And we have a kingdom that will never be shaken. And it's going to emerge even more than we've ever known it before. And our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, he does not change. He does not change. He is still on his throne. And you know what I found out? COVID is no match for my God. It is no match for him. And may he touch John Stanley. And may John Stanley be able to not have oxygen. May he touch Brooke. May he strengthen Dan. May he strengthen Daryl and protect LaDonna. And may he put his angels around them. And anyone else that we know that's sick, may the Lord bless them and keep them. And if he takes them home, let them be ready for glory. And we'll trust him in famine or feast. But you know what? I want to read a passage to you. It's very meaningful to me. It's Psalm 46. And I'll close with this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns, the nations rage, and kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, how he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Amen. Because you know what? If you're a daughter of the Most High God, you don't have to be shaken either. Or son. Amen. And amen. Would you guys stand and sing with us this morning? See the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry And my fears are like Jericho Through the walls around my soul
Things without intention Whose power can't be questioned or contained Humble faith He rules the earth and heavens His glory knows no measure or refrain In His bursting past and borderlines of space Who 
Bursting dice the borderlines of space. 